It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. You know, he's obviously under pressure. And I think that... You know, it has been politicized. There's sort of people who are pro-Fauci and people who are against Fauci. Um, but at one point, you did say to him, you are the person who is more responsible for the deaths in this country than anyone else. Do you think that's fair? Well, look at it this way. I believe that this virus originated from a lab that was engineered by the Chinese. We don't have 100% proof of that, but we have, I think the evidence leans 90-10 that this came from the lab. He funded the lab. He tried to obscure the idea that he was giving money to the lab. And then he steadfastly for two years said it wasn't gain of function, that they weren't taking viruses that don't exist in nature, creating them and creating viruses that are so dangerous that they could actually wipe out a portion of humanity. He continues to deny that. If this came from the lab, yes, he's culpable. So when you ask him to investigate it, he's not exactly disinterested. He has a conflict of interest because if it came from the lab, yes, he deserves some moral culpability. The virus ultimately came from Mother Nature. So Mother Nature deserves most of the blame. But if it also came out of a lab, then I think man has some to blame. And I think Fauci would be involved in this. He still deserves blame because he says he still trusts the Chinese and he's not for any more regulations on gain of function. He just thinks it's jolly well and good to create these viruses. You know, if we're in charge in 2022, I promise you we get to the bottom of this, but we get to the bottom of this so we don't have this happen again. I think there should not only be prohibitions domestically, I would be for convening a, a, uh, an international treaty of civilized nations to say we shouldn't be doing this kind of research because of the threats it has to mankind. All right, Sandy Rios with you this morning, another lovely day where we get to talk about COVID. Will it ever go away? Yeah, you know it will eventually. Uh, but not until they have, uh, they, meaning the left, has made the most of it. Now, here's the deal. Yesterday was a very big deal in Washington. It's going to be a challenge for me to uh, to try to tell this to you in just such a very short time. But Anthony Fauci appeared before the Senate committee. Uh, Ted Cruz was there. Tom Cotton was there. No, the, uh, that was the FBI hearing. Sorry, the FBI officials were there. That's the other hearing. No, Dr. Fauci was uh, there with Rand Paul and other members of the committee that he appeared before uh, in the Senate. And boy, the sparks flew between him and Rand Paul. But, and that's important to tell. But the nut of this is this. We are finding more and more information through Project Veritas, through Judicial Watch, through uncovered emails. There's just lots of different sources this morning that Dr. Fauci most definitely knew uh, that many, many scientists believe that this virus, the one that's killed, what, 700,000 Americans? So they say. I doubt that number. But I'll repeat what they say that's killed so many people worldwide originated in this lab in Wuhan and that it was manufactured. It was manufactured. They were trying to find a more, develop a more lethal form of the virus. Under some supposition, the scientists would say that they can, once they know more about the virus, they can control it. So they decided to make it worse and infect humans. 
That's the theory, and it's more than a theory. It is more than a theory, and the suspicious part of it is that Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins immediately went into overdrive uh, to try to tap down and discredit anyone who said that this virus came from the Wuhan lab. And remember that the we do know for sure that Anthony Fauci's National Institutes for Health funded that research. Whatever it was, they funded it, and they funded it against regulations which had been put in place to stop gain-of-function research, which meant exactly what we're talking about, developing more virulent strains of viruses. They were supposed to stop that, but they used tax dollars, your money, my money, and they sent it to the Wuhan lab because they couldn't do it stateside. And so, uh, so that's why Rand Paul says that Anthony Fauci and others are responsible for deaths, and I think he's right. I want you to hear the back and forth between them as much as we can hear in this opening. Let's go to clip six. This is Rand Paul and Dr. Anthony Fauci. A published takedown, though, you know, doesn't exactly conjure up the image of a dispassionate scientist. Instead of engaging them on the merits, you and Dr. Collins sought to smear them as fringe and take them down. And not in journals, in lay press. This is not only antithetical to the scientific method, it's the epitome of cheap politics, and it's reprehensible, Dr. Fauci. Do you really think it's appropriate to use your $420,000 salary to attack scientists that disagree with you? The email you're referring to was an email of Dr. Collins to me. If you look at the email... That you responded to and hurried up and said, I can do it, I can do it, we got something in Wired magazine. No, no, no. I think in usual fashion... Senator, you are distorting everything about me. Did you First ever object all, to Dr. Collins's characterization of them as fringe? Did you write back to Dr. Collins and say, no, they're not fringe, they're esteemed scientists, and it would be beneath me I, I did to not do that? Be, you responded to him that you would do it, and you immediately got an article you, in Wired, you, you, and you sent it back to him and said, hey, look, I've got him. I nailed him in Wired of all scientific publications. That's not publications. what went on. You there you go again. That you was just do the same thing every hearing. That was your response. And so, this, wasn't, so, this wasn't the only time. So your desire to take you're down people... You're incorrect. As usual, Senator, you no. are incorrect almost everything you well, said. Well, no, you deny, you deny, right. but the emails tell the truth of this. No. This wasn't the only time. Your desire to take down those who disagree with you didn't stop with Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. You conspired with Peter Daszak, who you communicated with privately, and other members of the scientific community that wrote opinion pieces for Nature... Five of them signed a, a paper for Nature, an opinion piece. Seventeen signed a paper that called it conspiracy theory, the idea that the virus could have originated right. in the lab. Do you think words like conspiracy theory should be in a scientific paper? Senator, I never used that word when I was referring to it. You're distorting virtually everything. Did you communicate with the five scientists who wrote the opinion piece in Nature? Were they... We're describing, oh, this, there's no way this could that have come from, was from the lab. me. What did I you did, talk with any of those see, scientists but privately? You keep, you keep distorting did you? the truth. It is, it did is you stunning talk, how did you, you do Did you talk that? to any of the scientists privately yes. who wrote the opinion? You did. Well, what were they telling you privately? Well, well, let me explain. You know you're going back to that original discussion when I brought together a group of people to look at every possibility with an open mind. Yeah, yeah, of course. And so what he's talking about is these doctors, these three doctors who wrote the Great Barrington Declaration, and they're basically they're talking about the importance of natural immunity, and they're just questioning some of the things that are coming out. Uh, and he, they went on a, a um, 
scorch and burn campaign against these three well-known and well-esteemed uh, scientists. And that's what uh, Rand Paul is talking about. And they, part of it was they were saying that it th- they thought it came from the lab. And so Fauci, in the email, there's no question about it, I've read them, uh, d- did exactly what Rand Paul is saying. And of course, he's on the stand there saying, that you've got the, this is wrong, I didn't do that. But he did do that. And so um, the, uh, the in conversation goes further. I'm not exactly sure what we captured here, but uh, we had to clip out quite a bit of it. But let's listen to this next exchange, and then I'll comment on it. Clip seven. So you, not only are you distorting it, you are completely turning it around, as Were most you of the scientists do. that came to you privately, did they come to you privately and say, no way, this came from the lab? Or was their initial impression, Dr. Gary and Dr. others that were involved, was their initial impression actually that it looked very suspicious for a virus you know, that came from a lab? Senator, we are here at a committee to look at a, a virus now that has killed almost 900,000 people. And the purpose of the committee was to try and get things out, how we can help to get the American public. And you keep coming back to personal attacks on me that have absolutely no relevance to reality. Do you think anybody has had more influence let, over let our response finish. to this than you have? Do you Madam think it's a great Chair, success? I, Do you think it's a great success what's happened right. so far? Do you think you, the lockdowns are good for our kids? Do you think we slowed down the death rate? More people have died now under President Biden than did under President Trump. You are the one responsible. You are the architect. You are the lead architect for the response from the government. And now 800,000 people have died. So you think it's a uh, winning success, what you've advocated for government? Um, Senator, first of all, if you look at everything that I said, you accuse me of in a monolithic way telling people what they need to do. Everything that I've said has been in support of the CDC guidelines. Wear a mask. Get boosted. And you've advocated to make it coercive take, and take done a look at course, everything and you've advocated that I've said. it be done by mandate. Right. You've yeah. advocated that your infallible opinion be dictated by law. Right. So, again, Madam Chair, I would like just a couple of minutes because right. this, this happens all the time. You personally attack me and with absolutely not a shred of evidence of anything you say. So I would like to make something clear to the committee. He's doing this for political reasons. What you need to do is, he said in front of this committee... You think your takedown of three was, prominent was, epidemiologists was not political? You, you don't want me that to finish, you know what I'm going to say. Senator, that was the question. Senator, Were you political we in taking this, down right, these three point, prominent epidemiologists? All right, so that's just part of it. It's amazing. And so we'll put that on Getter. I told you yesterday we're going to start posting our articles on Getter. So you can find Sandy Rios on Getter, G-E-T-T-R. Sign up for it, and uh, you can stay up to date. But I want to, I don't want to waste my time talking about that, so I hope you caught that quickly. Now, here's the deal. But to, dis- to distill this, uh, Dr. Fauci is the highest-paid employee in the federal government. He makes four, more than the president. Uh, we also know that he has investments in many of these patents, these tissues, these vaccines. Uh, he's making money hand over fist. He's the one making the policies. He's the one uh, directing these mandates. And he is the one who authorized and paid for, it looks like, the gain of research function in the Wuhan lab, which resulted in the deaths of, as Rand Paul just said, 800,000 Americans. Whether or not that's accurate, I don't know. So this is a very serious thing. Uh, So uh, Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas uh, actually asked him some questions, too. Now, Roger Marshall is a veteran. Um, He's also a doctor. And this is the question that he asked. As the highest paid employee in the entire federal government, yes or no, 
Would you be willing to submit to Congress and the public a financial disclosure that includes your past and current investments? And Fauci responded, I don't, I don't understand why you're asking me that question. My financial disclosure is public knowledge and has been so for the last 37 years or so, 35 years. Okay, so then as soon as he finished the exchange, this is what was heard. Rand Paul, not Rand Paul, Dr. Fauci talking about Con- uh, Senator Marshall from Kansas. If you listen carefully, you can hear Fauci say, what a moron. Jesus, I'm not going to say the other part. It's a f- curse, okay? What a moron, Jesus blank. Okay, let's listen. Senator Moran. What a moron. Okay, so the last part, we edited out. But so that's Dr. Fauci and his great respect for the senators. And uh, so he's in trouble. And he has to be brought to account, and that's what Rand Paul is trying to do. You know, I, I, and so ironically, then, Fauci moves to a death threat on him. He talks about it's Rand Paul's fault that some person drove across I-80 and was trying to um, get to his family. He was part of a list of several people that this man, Chinese, with a Chinese name, I don't know, I can't explain that. I can just tell you because I was reading the story. And so Fauci's turning on Paul and says, it's your fault. And then Paul turns on him, of all people, to accuse of this. Rand Paul, who was attacked brutally by his neighbor and nearly killed, who barely survived all of his surgeries, the, the attack, uh, to accuse Rand Paul, who has actually himself been attacked because of the ginning up of political um, uh, passions by the left. Uh, so Fauci you know, just had somebody who you know, wanted to kill him. Rand Paul was actually attacked. And also then Rand talks about how, uh, you know, on the, the, the baseball field in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, this Bernie Sanders supporter nearly killed Steve Scalise and was planning to kill many of them who were practicing for the congressional baseball game. And, and he said, uh, Rand says, you know, not, not a single person stood up and said that it was Bernie Sanders' fault uh, that they nearly, that Steve Scalise nearly got killed and others were uh, nearly killed. It's not, they, no one said that. Uh, And so he goes through a whole, you know, very clear uh, response, rebuttal to Dr. Fauci. I'm telling you, the bottom line is we are in deep trouble. We have a Supreme Court that seems to be clueless, not all of them, but a good amount of them. And yet here it is in their lap to decide these mandates. We know that masks don't work. The vaccines don't work. This particular iteration of COVID has to run its course, and most of us are going to catch it, but it's not heavy anymore. It's not dangerous. And so just take a deep breath, and uh, we just have to take it one step at a time. Coming up next, Louis Gomert, Sandy Rios in the morning. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. 
You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 or more per month with MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate when compared to health insurance. Double. You get access to a massive network of providers and 24-7 telehealth. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years. And it's more than just affordable health care, too. You get to be part of a community of Christians who pray for each other and support each other. But here's why now is the time to make the switch. Join before January 15th, and they'll waive your new member fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. Call now. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline is January 15th, so you can save even more. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Well, it was quite a night for the Georgia Bulldogs, celebrating their first national football championship since 1980, ending four decades of heartbreak and agony, defeating the Alabama Crimson Tide. It was redshirt freshman Keeley Ringo that secured the victory intercepting Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young and scoring the game-winning touchdown. The rush of emotion must have been overwhelming. It's been a tough year for the young quarterback. His mom moved from Phoenix to Athens to be closer to her son. Traley Hale has been going through a battle with cancer stage two, but that has not stopped her from missing a single game, not even the national championship in Indianapolis. And oh, what a night it must have been for Mrs. Hale as she watched her son race down the field and into the history books. Socialists are trying to take over America. I explain what we can do about it in my best-selling book, Culture Jihad, available right now at ToddSterns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. How many FBI agents confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th. Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, Did any FBI agents or confidential informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well, there are a lot of people who are understandably very concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered, and there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange 
that the crowd began chanting, Fed, 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 Fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a Fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day. The next day. On January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. All right, so that was Senator Ted Cruz, and that was the Senate Judiciary Committee bringing in the FBI to ask about, let's see, January the 6th, uh, and that was Jill Sanborn not answering the question. She's the executive assistant director of the FBI's National Security Branch, but she knows nothing about the FBI's presence on January the 6th. And there were several exchanges like that, but I just wanted to give you a touch of it. It was obfuscation, and um, it's it's amazing. And it, it is also amazing because I think yesterday was the fifth year anniversary of uh, the day that BuzzFeed uh, actually published the Russian dossier which the FBI was up to their neck in uh, helping uh, expedite. It's just a, it's a terrible story. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about, and I can't think of anyone I'd rather talk with about this stuff than Congressman Louis Gohmert. Congressman has been in, um, he's been in Washington <laughs> bearing all uh, for, the, for almost 16 years. He's serving his eighth term. He uh, uh, comes from Texas. He was a judge in Texas before he, was appoint, uh, before he ran for election in Congress. And before we even jump into these issues, I want to tell you that he, uh, Louis Gohmert, has announced that he's running for Attorney General of Texas. And so I wanted us to talk about that, among all these other things this morning. But first of all, Congressman Gohmert, thanks for joining us and welcome this morning. Well, good morning, Sandy. Thanks for having me. Always nice to talk to you on or off the air. You know what? Let me just say a couple of things more about you, please. Uh, I, I, this is my observation over the course of a lot of years. I don't think any congressman in my lifetime has been as steadfast and courageous as I have seen up close and personal you be. At great personal cost, just standing for the truth relentlessly and paying a huge price for it. You know, whether it's fines for bringing, you know, uh, not going through the metal detectors or uh, whether it's you know being removed from committees, uh, not you know in spite of your seniority and experience, not giving uh, chairmanships, you have paid. Not getting a re-election campaign money, all of this, you have endured this, and yet st- stood just incredibly firm, never wavering. And I, I have to say, you know that's just that never happens in D.C., Congressman. What? How could you explain that? How could you help us understand how you have managed to just be uh, uncompromisingly? on the side of truth, on every issue? You know, I think God prepares us for things that are in our future before well, before we are aware of them. And, uh, you know, I look back and at my life, uh, my years in the Army, my uh, time as a prosecutor and doing civil litigation, taking on uh, some Goliaths and being successful in court. Uh, my years as a judge, um, you know, I, you know, as you pointed out, I've been running for Congress, been in Congress for a while, and uh, Attorney General was never even on my radar. But I look back at all those things I went through, and uh, I'm going, wow, that 
really does kind of point to attorney general when, and that was after uh, I had extreme frustration with our Texas attorney general. I know to many, he's a, a national hero because he sued swing states who had changed election laws by other than the legislature. The problem was he knew because Texas had a, had uh, executives that changed the election law by other than the legislature, that he should not file that suit. As another state AG said, you know, we don't want Texas to file it because you had laws changed by other than the legislature, and that would mean the suit would get thrown out. But he had had seven top people uh, turn him into the FBI for what they they described the facts and said uh, he was involved in corruption, abuse of office, bribery, and other things. And uh, that's still being investigated. But I just couldn't believe he wasn't investigating the the big fraud in Texas election after the election in 2018. And so it was that uh, frustration I've had with Republican leaders uh, obviously, lots of problems with Democrat leaders, but just not doing what they said they were going to do. Uh, but I think largely the years on the bench of sitting and listening for hours and days, um, you know, you just have enough. And it's one of the reasons I left the bench and didn't pursue any further judicial positions is because I, I I needed to be an advocate. And actually, Sandy, going back historically, reading a biography of uh, John Quincy Adams, he was offered, uh, a, well, actually, he was told by letter when he was in the soap, well, then Russia, that uh, the president wanted to make him a Supreme Court justice. And he explained, he gave an excuse, well, I I can't really do that. My wife's pregnant. She's lost a number of kids. She'd never make the trip across the ocean. I can't leave her by herself. But in his journal, he was explaining, I've got to be an advocate. I can't sit on the bench and and just listen to things. I, I need to advocate. I was objective on the bench, but I got to the point, I've got to be advocating for what's right. We're losing this country. So all of those things, Sandy, led me to uh, the point where I'm now running for attorney general. And I just appreciate you so much. You know, the time you took going through and explaining what Rand Paul did. And and can I just say one thing about the... uh, the vaccination and rent. Yes. Effort. No, I want to talk about all of that stuff with you. You can say more than one thing. Well, the, it is so ridiculous what, what Biden and, but especially Fauci has been saying, he says, I've been consistent from the beginning. What a lie. Just start with that crock, that lie right there. And you know what? Let me just interject. That's something that everyone can see. Everyone can see that he is completely inconsistent. You don't have to prove that. Yeah, but not everybody in the media shows what you show. They show Fauci condemning Rand Paul and others, but they don't show why those senators were saying the things 
that they did. Uh, but so we're now at the point, you know, Fauci either lied or was too stupid to know that the vaccine was not going to be effective like he said it was, that at the very best, it might be 60% effective. So we're to the point where Biden and Fauci, by their actions and words, are saying, we have got to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated by forcing the unvaccinated to get vaccinated with the vaccination that will not protect you from the unvaccinated. Sounds a little elliptical, but it's it's so absurd. You've got to have the, the, the vaccinated protected. Basically, you're admitting the vaccine doesn't work, so we got to make everybody have the vaccination so we can protect people from the unvaccinated because the vaccine doesn't protect you. Yeah, I, it is bizarre. It I mean, reminds me of Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense, when he you know, was diagnosed with COVID and he has symptoms. He's actually sick. Uh, double vaxxed, you know, uh, boosted. Wear always wears several masks and the shield, and uh, and then now forcing, forcing members of the military to get this shot, and now they're having terribly adverse effects. Many of them, it's just disgusting. But Lloyd Austin's con- his conclusion at, th- at this is that the vaccines work, and we're going to continue this program. It is just, it's like yeah. Alice in Wonderland. It makes no sense. Oh, it, it, Alice in Wonderland. What a great metaphor for for what's going on now. That's yeah. It, yeah. Now it, I want to ask. Listen, I, I'm I'm going to ask you several questions. The one thing I want to say too is sure. that um, you you're you don't have just one specialty. You are where wherever there's an issue, you really make yourself expert, and you actually do very creative things. Now you don't get a lot of press sometimes for what you're doing because uh, because. Heaven knows they couldn't give you a microphone to tell what was actually true. So you do a lot of things that people never hear about. But I, I and so when I ask you these questions, I do not expect you to know everything, even though generally you do. Uh, so the Supreme Court hearings last Friday, I don't know. I, oh I, I don't gosh. know. Uh, yeah. All right. So I am. I am really. It's not just uh, um, Sotomayor and her ridiculous assertion that hundreds and of thousand children are. Yes. Okay. So you tell me what your thoughts were about what what happened in that hearing. Uh, I know Sotomayor and Breyer are well educated, but I was absolutely aghast that people that made it to the Supreme Court and not just one could see no difference between putting on a piece of fabric or paper over your mouth externally and forcing somebody to be injected into their body, into the body, with a substance that has not been tested. As as, uh, Dr. Malone has said, it should have been tested for five years, and we still need to do that so we know uh, is there more benefit than harm? They could not see any difference between forcing people to put on a mask and forcing them to be injected with what some say it is gene altering. And in fact, 
Dr. Malone, I did an interview with him, and, and uh, he made very clear, uh, look, uh, we know that it can alter genes and change generations. Uh, we need to know how extensive that is, what the effect is. And these clowns can't see the difference. Uh, I, we it ought to be easier to remove people for the supreme from the Supreme Court when they get to the point in life that they uh, are doing what doctors used to say and swear they would never do, and that's do no harm. They're doing you know, harm when they cannot see the diff, the adverse effect of freedom. You know, the, there are several things to talk about with this. And since you were a judge, I guess I kind of like to talk to you about this because this made me crazy. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a judge. Uh, I've, I've been married to two attorneys, if that counts for anything. But I listen, <laughs> it doesn't, you know. Uh, but the, the first of all, they were like walking, almost all of them, walking talking points for the Fauci world of treating coronavirus. I mean, yep. Kavanaugh came in with an M95 mask, for heaven's sakes. And when they start arguing, you can tell, like Elena Kagan there, you know, everyone knows that the only effective treatment for COVID is of the vaccine. We all know that. Why wouldn't we make people take this? And the oh, unvaccinated yeah. oh, sneer, yeah. sneer, you know, that's, so yes. oh, you can tell they, so they're, they're, they don't know what they're talking about. That, that, that worries yeah. me. Well, I know I'm I expecting them to uh, continue with the kind of reasoning did you ever read uh, Ayn Rand's uh, Anthem? Most people have read Atlas Shrugged, but... I, I haven't. Uh, no. Anthem, I be- <laughs> you know, it's... Um, I believe that's the one I've read most all her stuff, but uh, a novel about futuristic times when they are so backwards and there is this wise council group and... These guys, you know, everything was lit by candle. There's no light other than candles. And these guys figure out a way to make light through chemical reaction. And they finally sneak and get it to the wise council. And they say, look at this incredible invention. We, we can have light and we, we won't have to use candles anymore. And they all start screaming at them. But what would the candle makers do? That's about how stupid yeah, yeah. these questions right. from the leftists on the Supreme Court were. I know. We have to just take a break, Congressman. Backwards. We have yes, to take a break. I agree. I agree. They're just, they're just, uh, they showed their foolishness. It just is frightening. Uh, my, con- my guest is Congressman Louis Gomer, who is running for Attorney General in Texas. We'll be right back. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. So they asked me to enter my email address, and the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that? Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts 
One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James 1.22 My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. This scripture underscores the harrowing reality that permeates the life of many who profess to be Christians. The blessing of being a Christ follower comes not only from hearing God's word, but obeying it. James continues, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit InHisImage.movie. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Yesterday, while ostensibly promoting voting rights, Joe Biden declared war on people he explicitly described as domestic enemies. He was not talking about the Marxists and Islamists, who have made no secret of their desire to fundamentally transform America, replacing via stolen elections or through color revolutions our constitutional republic with the form of totalitarian government they respectively favor. Such actual enemies are, of course, part of Biden's base. Instead, he's targeting Americans who share a love of God and the freedoms guaranteed by our Constitution, a commitment to election integrity, and a reluctance to be vaccinated with increasingly ineffective and even harmful so-called vaccines. It's not treason to oppose Mr. Biden's desperate bid to enact legislation that would impose permanently and nationwide the fraud-conducive voting arrangements that enabled his election. And Americans who do so are not the enemy. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. We are in the middle of our a campaign to help preborn raise money for these 40 ultrasounds who, you know, are famously having tremendous success at changing the minds of pregnant women who are thinking about abortion. Uh, they get the, the ultrasound at pregnancy centers. They see their baby and they don't want to abort. It's just amazing. The left hates this. And that's why preborn has become such a powerful tool. Uh, to ra- to uh, to stop abortions. They've stopped so many through the years, and it's because of your financial support. And so let me just tell you that a gift of $28 provides one woman seeking an abortion a free ultrasound. 
and uh, it gives a, a woman a chance. You know, people, a lot of times these these women are young and they've not had much experience or they don't have any encouragement in their home from their boyfriend, their mom, their dad uh, to save the baby. And sometimes just that natural mothering instinct kicks in when they see the baby. If you can send $28, that will provide one ultra, ultrasound for one a woman, but of course, $140 provides for five, and you can do the math. Uh, so, whatever you can afford, we would really appreciate your help if you call 877 616 2396. That's 877 616 2396. You can, you know, give as generously as you're able to do or go online to afr.afr.net. Okay, so my guest is uh, one of my favorite people, Congressman Louis Gohmert, who is in his sixth. Uh, 16th year almost of uh, as a congressman, but he's decided to run for attorney general in the state of Texas. I have so many listeners in Texas. I think we have 20 stations in Texas, as a matter of fact, congressman. And so um, they're going to—they're asking. You and I touched on this in the first segment, but let's go back to it. Ken Paxton, for many people, has a good reputation. He seems to have done some really fine things. And so people are asking, why would Congressman Gomert, who has this great record, he's doing great things in Congress, why would he challenge? Uh, the sitting attorney general, Ken Paxton, tell them again why you would do this. Well, I first started getting frustrated with him after the 2018 election when I was shown evidence of voter fraud or election fraud, rather, in Dallas County back in the primary and general election of 2018. And having been a felony judge, I've signed, I've reviewed lots of applications for warrants. I've signed application, or signed warrants. Uh, I know what's required. Never been reversed on one. And I couldn't believe that Paxton would not go get a warrant to seize the voting machines, the software, the uh, uh, the flash drives that were used uh, to accumulate early voting numbers. Uh, the laptops, and then make the case. I thought he could be the national hero uh, by showing the fraud where the worst of it was before the 2020 election. And uh, yet he went after little minor stuff that needed to be pursued, but he would not go after the big election fraud. And he let that opportunity slip. And like I said, I thought, wow, he can be the national hero. That'll be great. He didn't do it. And then we find out, well, he was distracted. Uh, his top seven people, Republicans, were hired because of their integrity, their intelligence. And uh, they're known for that, intelligence and integrity. Uh, after and the allegations were, okay, yeah, he admitted the affair, but then the girlfriend got fired because she was having an affair with the attorney general. So he, she said, I got to have a job with a hundred grand a year. He gets a donor to hire her and pay her a hundred grand a year. Then that donor is in trouble and he needs help. And he gets the AG's office to basically be his defense firm. And they reported it. The top seven put their names, their integrity, their future on the line. They signed a letter uh, asking the FBI to investigate. And boy, Sandy, you know this this FBI, this DOJ, there's still corruption there. They're more than happy to go after uh, corrupt Republican official. 
uh, high profile. And so to change the narrative, that's when he filed the lawsuit against the swing states and made a big name for himself nationally. But some of us knew he doomed that lawsuit because Texas had changed election laws improperly, not through the legislature. And so he didn't have clean hands to bring that lawsuit. But it got him a lot of publicity and notoriety. Unfortunately, he doomed the lawsuit. So I know President Trump had uh, endorsed him last summer. I, you know, I think the world of President Trump, he did an outstanding job as president with uh, so much against him, including the DOJ, like you talked about. And uh, so I heard he was thinking about endorsing Paxton. I called him and I said, look, I don't think you understand uh, the extent of the problems that he's created and that he's involved in. And, uh, oh, yeah, he explained about the same kind of deal I had. You know, these criminals were stabbing him in the back. He didn't know it. But no, it's not not like that at all. Uh, totally different from your situation. And I said, I'm just asking not to endorse. I'm thinking about running if nobody else uh, could do the job as I believe needs to be done. I might run. But I just say whether I do or not, you'd be better off not endorsing. So then a few weeks later, here the president's endorsed him, and I'm going, oh, no, well, no, no, no. Uh, and he, that was one of his problems. He got bad advice about people when he was president. Uh, he had people around him that were hurting. That was tragic. But anyway, after I had wrestled with it, prayed about it, and sought wise counsel, I, I'm going, I got to do this my whole background leading up to this and I'm willing to risk my future uh, running for an office um, just to try to save Texas because no Republican can win the presidency if they can't win Texas and the fraud is not lessening unless the AG is able to do it. Now we've had a court of criminal appeals decision in Texas that was nonsensical, and those people need to be voted out. We do that in Texas, but we also need laws change. I've been talking to the legislature about laws that need to be fixed and changed. So even uh, the aid on the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals that would come out with such a ridiculous decision saying AG can't prosecute election fraud when the law says they can, uh, still, we've got to have somebody that'll be aggressive. We've got to secure our border, and the AG could do so much more in Texas than has been done. So I announced, and a few days after I announced, the president called it, Louie, I-, I was told you were definitely not running. Well, he told me Paxton was calling him three or four times a week for many weeks, begging him to endorse him. So Gee, I wonder who told him I definitely was not running so he'd get the endorsement. But yeah. I'm running, and uh, it's looking good. Like, uh, there'll be a runoff between me and Paxton, and that means not about 90 days after the primary on March 1st, we could, should have a runoff. But I need help. Uh, he has $8 million in the bank. I've been able to raise a million so far. But uh, people can go to gomert.com uh, to find out 
what I'm doing and what they can do to help. But in the meantime, we're we're in a fight to try to save this country. And for the NSA and the DOJ people that are not very bright, let me explain. I'm not talking about violence in the street. I'm talking about fighting using the courts, using the legislatures, using grassroots efforts, using Martin Luther King's prescribed peaceful protests. I'm talking about using the effective structure of this country to try to save this country. Uh, so I'm all in. Uh, Louis, let, you know, let me just say... Yeah, go ahead. Let me repeat. Uh, let me repeat your. Uh, I said that you were a judge. You were a judge in Smith County, Texas, for three terms, elected. Then you were appointed by Rick Perry to complete a term as Chief Justice in the Twelfth Court of Appeals before you went into Congress. Right. And of course, then you've had all these years. Talk about seasoning. Sixteen years almost in the, that Congress is enough seasoning. You have proven yourself to be uncompromising. There's no question. Uh, that if you were to be elected, you would certainly shake things up in Texas. I, I let me ask you a couple things now. That the primary is in March on March the first. Um, do people mm-hmm. what's in? See, you know, we still are you know very different states. So you have to tell me uh, as best you can. What are people in Texas aware of the charges against Ken Paxton and the, the lawsuit against him? Are they aware of that, or you know, is it a mixed bag or what? Yeah. It's it's a mixed bag, but I'm finding most people are not aware, and some that are, uh, many that are, are are saying, "Well, I thought there was." Paxton said there was nothing to it that he'd been exonerated. Well, if you ask the FBI, are you investigating anybody? They say no comment. But uh, I also know from witnesses that. Uh, the FBI is still talking to witnesses, and many of us, uh, some mutual friends that are plugged in, believe this DOJ, as political as they are, they've got uh, what looks to be an extremely problematic case against uh, for problematic for our current attorney general. So, so they the will scenario likely wait until yeah until the election until after the primary. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and and hope that he wins, and then indict him, which will throw our highest elected law enforcement person in Texas uh, out of the game, and throw the election to the Democrat in November, because Texas law does not allow you to replace a candidate uh, who's indicted after winning the primary. You can oh, withdraw wow. his name, but you cannot replace him, and we'd be stuck with a Democrat in conjunction with the four biggest counties in Texas, currently controlled by Democrat DAs who will not prosecute things that uh, like fraud in elections by Democrats. So it's a very dangerous time, and uh, I'm willing to risk my future to try to save Texas so we can save the union. And uh, the current AG is willing to risk Texas to try to save his future. We're just the opposite. Do you think there'll be debates between the two of you? Well, that's interesting. Uh, There are lots of candidate forums, and I'm going to every one I possibly can. Uh, And there are two other 
opponents, but uh, one is George P. Bush, and he seems to have hit a ceiling many months ago. Uh, and uh, anyway, we're going to candidate forums, but Paxton is not. Think about it, Sandy. He's on the horns of a dilemma, because if anybody asked him about the criminal violations against him, anything he says could be used against him in court and would be used against him in court. So he's in a, in, in a real tough situation. So he's saying, oh, I'm not coming because Gomert's coming this kind of stuff, well, uh, you need to answer to your constituents and come out of hiding. And uh, and they're just making up trash about me. That's now you know that they're really desperate. So we're in a battle in Texas, and we welcome people looking into it at gomert.com, finding out what you can do to help, because I do need help. Uh, so uh, right now, then, you're campaigning, <laughs> you know, Washington, D.C. is such a miserable place to be. We're almost out of time here, Congressman. Uh, but it yeah, must be some, a little bit of a relief not to be at the, in, in those halls every single day. So oppressed, so much oppression, don't you think? And now that now in D.C. they're saying you have to have a vaccine uh, to, you know, go to restaurants, to, tra- to do anything, yeah. even go in cabs. Yeah. Miserable. Yeah. Yeah. How can that? Okay. All right. Well, so. Can I say uh, one thing about please, that? Please, and quickly, so, 30 seconds. You know, yes. We ought to be thanking God for the Omicron virus because it has devolved to where it's not killing people. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. Absolutely. It's a natural uh, a natural immunity blessing. If people could just understand the, yep. the real science on this. But uh, Dr. Fauci is not going to tell you yep. that. Yep, and neither exactly. is Rochelle no. Walensky. And neither of the Supreme Court justices, uh. it would seem, with the exception of maybe two or three of them. And so, uh, Congressman yep. Louis Gohmert, uh, listen, it's, it's always great to talk to you. And again, he's running for attorney general in Texas for all the reasons he just uh, told you about. So this will be interesting. The primary is March the 1st, and we could bet we'll have more conversation about it. Congressman Gohmert, thanks for joining us. Sandy Rios Sandy, in the morning. I love yes, you. Sir. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> love you back. Okay, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.